everyone's now heard about OpenAI's ChatGPT or ChatGPT4 is what's out now. And there's no denying that it's an incredible piece of technology. But the way that OpenAI talks about it, I find completely misleading and disturbing in a way. They say that what they're building is what's called artificial and artificial general intelligence or AGI. This is contrasted with artificial narrow intelligence or ANI. The difference is that narrow intelligence, ANI, the kind of stuff that we usually deal with day to day, pre, uh, pre chat BT, chat, chat GPT. Can somebody rename this thing, please? Is, is narrow. It's a, they're smaller predictive models. They predict, you know, things like, will this person be a good candidate for the job? Will they be a good student at the university? Does this person have diabetes? That kind of thing. It's a, it's a relatively, or it's quite a narrow task. But this is obviously quite broad. You could ask it all kinds of questions about science and technology and the humanities and, you know, books and philosophy, et cetera. And it gets a lot of things wrong, gets a lot of things right, but it is impressive. But is it really a piece of general intelligence? Now, this obviously raises the question, what constitutes artificial general intelligence? And there's different ways of characterizing it, but the main thing is it's something like AI that exhibits intelligence the way that a human does or that's as smart as a human, or even better, smarter than humans. And there's a way of characterizing this as saying something like, what does it mean to be smarter than? One, you might think, essential component of being smart or intelligent is that there's understanding that you know, when you and I are conversing, we understand what each one of us is saying. We understand ourselves and we understand what the other one is saying. And the conversation proceeds on the basis of that mutual understanding. Of course, there are cases of miscommunication, but we can sort of sort that thing out. We understand that we generally understand the words that are coming out of our mouths and the words that are coming out of other people's mouths. The question then is in a case of AGI or alleged AGI, do we have that kind of intelligence? Do we have genuine understanding of what's being said? So when we talk, as it were, to chat GPT or Bing or Bard or whatever large language model we're talking about, the question is whether it understands what we're saying. I wanted to go deep on this question, so I spoke to a friend of mine who's also a philosopher of mind and language named Alex Grzynkowski, and we talk about what would it take for a chatbot or any kind of machine, if you like, to actually have genuine understanding. Now, the conversation in some ways centers around a famous thought experiment that you may have heard of, first thought of by or offered by John Searle. It's called the Chinese Room Argument. We talk about it in this conversation, but I want to give you a sort of sneak peek and get you warmed up for it because it's so crucial, it's so central to how Alex and I think about what constitutes understanding. But it's the basis, and so I'm not going to sort of reveal everything that Alex says. There's a lot of interesting things, but I want us to make sure that we get the core of what this argument is circling around. So here's, here's the, the core of, of Searle's argument, which was given decades ago, way before ChatGPT 3 or 4 or 1 for that matter. So look, I want you to suppose that you are in a room and it's got a sort of mail slot in there. And every once in a while, you get some cards that are sent to the mail slot. It's got some lines and squiggles and shapes on it. And... You just look at it, you just see lines, swiggle shapes, whatever, but you've got a little rule book inside your room that says if you get this kind of, you know, 
if you get a card with this kind of squigglies and shapes or whatever, then take your own pile of cards that have squiggles and shapes and lines, et cetera, and put out this one. So if you get one that looks like this, put out that one. If you get one that looks like that, put out this other one. And so you keep getting these cards pushed into the door. You follow your rule book that says, you know, squiggle this way, put out a card that squiggles that way. And it just keeps going like that. Now, you don't really know what's going on, it seems. From my perspective, I'm the one who's putting in these cards. I actually am having the experience of, of talking to someone in Chinese. So what's really going on is I'm putting in characters in Mandarin. Let's suppose that you don't know Mandarin and you're putting out Mandarin letters that make it seem, because of the way the rule book works, that make it seem to me that I'm having a conversation with somebody who understands or something that understands Chinese. Now, let me ask you a question. You're in this box, you're following that rule book. Do you understand Chinese? And I think I said Mandarin. And the clear answer, I think, is no. You don't now understand Mandarin, even though you're putting out cards that make it seem to me like I'm having a conversation. I'm putting in, hi, how are you? You're saying, I'm fine, how are you? And I say, how was your weekend? And, and blah, it goes back and forth like this. You don't understand Chinese. This is supposed to be an analogy to what's going on with, say, a chat GPT. You're putting in letters, what you know to be letters, which are symbols. You're putting, to get, you're putting in letters that combine to make words. Those words have a meaning. But the software, the chat GPT software, or the large language model software, whatever it is, is just manipulating those symbols in accordance to certain rules that it's got, it's, its internal rule book. What it's doing roughly is predicting what should go out next, given how those symbols were ordered in the past. So it crawls through the internet, roughly, I mean, this is obviously a simplification, crawls through the internet, sees how, you know, different sort of squiggles and lines are arranged as it were, and can make predictions about what the next squiggles and lines should be. All right. So just like you, if you're in that room, don't understand Chinese, but you're just operating, if you like, at the syntactical level, at the rule level of the language, as opposed to the semantic level, the, the, the stuff about meanings. You know, syntax has to do with the, the rules that govern the language, whereas semantics are about the meanings of the terms or the words or the symbols that you're manipulating to speak. The computer, you don't understand the semantics of those symbols. You don't understand what those symbols mean. You just operate them according to certain kinds of rules. Similarly, the thought goes ChatGPT or any large language model is just manipulating symbols according to some rules, but has no grip, no grasp of the meanings of those symbols, the meanings of those words. You lack understanding of Mandarin, it lacks understanding of English or whatever language that you're using to interact with a large language model. That's the core of it. And then the, the question becomes, first of all, is that a good argument? I'm frankly, I'm fairly convinced that it's a very good argument. The question then becomes, okay, well, if that's not what understanding is, what, what is understanding? Because we might want to know what understanding is if we are to eventually justifiably attribute genuine general intelligence to a machine, if we're going to attribute understanding to a machine. And here I want to flag, we're talking about linguistic or semantic understanding, the ability to understand the words that are coming out of your mouth or your, you know, software, hard drive, whatever you want to call it. So. That's the core of what this conversation is about with Alex. It centers around that argument that merely manipulating symbols is not sufficient for understanding. 
And then the question is, well, what do we have to add to this story? What do we have to add over and above being able to manipulate the symbols according to certain kinds of rules, you know, like grammatical rules? What do we need to get understanding? And that's what the conversation is all about. We, we, you know, Alex gives us various kinds of suggestions to consider, and we've got to figure out what we need to add to this story so that we really do have understanding. And if we can get a grip on that, the thought is, then we can get a grip on when it would be justifiable to attribute understanding or intelligence to a machine or a large language model or whatever. So that's, that's what the conversation is about. It's, I think, a super fascinating conversation. You're going to see, look, there's not going to be a super cut and dry answer. But it's, I think, I know that Alex thinks we're, we're getting to something that's a plausible answer. And I hope you enjoy the sort of really digging in to think through in a, you know, in, in a responsible way, what is understanding? So I guess I want to start with, you know, before we dive into what, what is understanding a language or something along those lines, why might we, other than it's being sort of cool that we can create machines that understand a language, what other sort of non-intellectual, if you like, purely pragmatic, or I think that's the right phrase to use, considerations are there for really being invested in trying to answer this question. Yeah, I mean, I think somebody got fired from Google not too long ago for claiming the machine was sentient, didn't they? I mean, yeah. so one thing we might care about is whether we're going to lose our jobs. But I think that I, I think more a more serious answer is that, I mean, imagine you go to a doctor and you've got something wrong with your ankle and you say, you say, my ankle hurts. I, w I want you to, I want you to help me out. And they say, all right, let me consult my book. And they grab a book off the shelf and they flip it open and they kind of just land on an answer and they go arthritis and here's some pills or whatever. Now that might be a good result. It might work. It might make your ankle feel better, but I think there's something kind of obviously negligent about that. I don't really want my doctor just guessing. I don't want my doctor just picking an ailment out of the air. For one thing, it could easily have gotten it wrong. Might've just flipped to a different page and given me some, some, given me some Viagra. That would have been pretty different. I want him to know what he's doing and I want him to know the basis on which he's making that, that diagnosis. And so I think that when we're thinking about interacting with these machines to give us advice on what stocks to buy or whether or not someone gets a loan, whether or not somebody gets paroled from prison. We don't just want sort of opaque, lucky guesses. We want genuine understanding behind this. Now, maybe eventually we'll come to not care that much about this stuff. I'm, I'm not sure yet. We're in early days, but I think when I think about the doctor case, I've got a pretty strong kind of intuition in the favor of, I don't like this guessing stuff. Even if you give me right answers, I want something tied to real understanding. I think, I think we care about that. So, so there's sort of two points I want to draw out from that. One is I want to push back maybe a little bit. Should we consider it pure guessing that the machines are doing? I mean, it's not totally random. It seems to get it right many times in a, in, in a way that looks like it's better than chance. So that's one, one question, whether we should, we should consider this guessing. And then the second thing is that I do like the point a lot about we want, we want decisions, especially high stakes decisions like, you know, here's the appropriate treatment for your disease or here's how you should invest your money. We want them, you use this, this phrase that I really like, which is we want, we want that advice to be given on the basis of an understanding of what's at play here, what's going on. So it, it's not enough to just get it right. It also needs to get it right for the right reasons. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I, I, it, I think that's worried. right. And so, so let's, let's, let's push that on that a little bit. Why do, I, why do I care whether it gets it right for the right reasons? Why not just be satisfied with you know, oh, 
great. It gave me the right pills. Yeah. I mean, just, just quickly on the idea of guessing, I, I think you're right that we probably don't want to describe, for example, something like chat GPT is merely guessing. I mean, it's, it's doing, doing something that's probably better than guessing, at least like educated guesses. If their guesses really, let's not get hung up on the guessing idea. I think the idea is something just like, does it understand or not? And if not, is that a problem? Now, why might we care about for the right reasons? Well, Here's a very pragmatic kind of answer. When the doctor opens up that page and just lands on arthritis, it could, the doctor could so easily have been wrong. If she had just flipped open one more page, she would have landed on something completely different and I would have gotten a bad diagnosis. So it's too easy to be wrong. That's, I think, one kind of very practical problem, at least in the doctor scenario. I mean, maybe another kind of way into this is to just think about, take the, take the movie Her. Imagine that you start having a kind of relationship with a chatbot. You start thinking, Here's what I do in the morning. I wake up and I have a 15 minute conversation with my, with my chatbot therapist. It seems to me like there's something just crucial and important about these relationships being based on mutual understanding and not on kind of mere, mere parroting. So the, the further along we get with these systems and the more we're interacting with them and using them as kind of, I don't know, tools that, that are part of our day, day to day use. I think it's going to matter to us a lot, whether these things are parrots or real understanders. Yeah, I really like the example of the therapist that I don't, we don't just want with any kind of relationship. We don't just want to be heard or we, we want, we want mutual understanding. So we want the, we want the therapist, for instance, to understand us. And I take it that either in its current instantiation or in future instantiations, it sure as hell will seem like, oh, the AI really understands me. So that, that brings us, I think, to the next, you know, the core question here is, well, what is it to understand something? I mean, you, you've laid out, it can't just be predicting the next word. That seems intuitively right. It it's not just a matter of just coming up with the right word, you know, one after the other. So I guess I'm just going to ask you a really big question. What's understanding? What does it mean to understand something? Or something like, are, do we have good reason or to think that machines don't understand when they are using the words in, you know, the right order? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a is too hard of a question to just sort of say, bang, here's a, here's an easy answer. But I mean, maybe one way to make some progress is to think about some things that, that don't work or think about some, some read some cases where we think there's a clear failure. So there's, a, there's an old thought at this point, old, ex, old thought experiment that I think is, is still an important one when thinking about these issues. So the Chinese room thought experiment goes like this. Imagine that you are locked inside of a room and you've got this huge lookup table with a whole bunch of characters and symbols that mean nothing to you, but there are basically symbol with an arrow to another symbol. And here's how it goes. I show up at this door and I write down some, some symbols that I understand and I slide it in to, to the mailbox. You pick it up, you see this symbol and you just look on your giant chart and you go, aha, when I get this one, I grab that one. And then you send that out. Now here's how it seems to me on the outside. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing fine. Do you want to? Whatever. So it seems to me on the outside, like I'm having a perfectly good conversation with a real person, but to you, you're just pushing, pushing symbols around. Basically, that's how I would put it. You, yeah, you I have no idea what I'm saying. You have no idea what you're saying now. So the Chinese room, I think has been interpreted in lots of different ways. One thing that seems pretty obvious is that you don't understand fine. We might ask, does the room understand? I'm pretty inclined to say, no, it doesn't. Or I even know what that means. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, if, we, if we think the chat GPT maybe could understand, we should probably think rooms are at least in the, in the ballpark of things that could in principle understand. But anyway, this room, yeah, it doesn't understand. And I think what this shows is something like, even if 
we could perfectly satisfy another speaker or an interlocutor, that they're engaging with something intelligent. It just might not be so. If all you're doing inside that machine, and sorry, and sorry inside the, the room, is manipulating symbols, that just doesn't seem sufficient for understanding. But I think that it's not a far cry to think that that's effectively what's happening really deep down with, with these machines. Now, it's true that something like ChatGPT has got a huge amount of background information that's been fed into the system. It's got very sophisticated algorithms. But when push comes to shove, what it's really doing is taking a whole bunch of symbols that we've fed into it from, from the internet, using those symbols to figure out on the basis of these symbols and contexts like this, what's the next best symbol for me to write down. Right. So it really is fancy symbol pushing. And I think to the extent that we think the Chinese room is a failure of understanding, we should think that ChatGPT is a failure of understanding. Okay, great. So just just so that the audience, I mean, I've heard, of course, the thought experiment before. I've taught the thought experiment before, but so you're just, you're, you're the input to the machine. The machine in this case, though, is something like me in a box. Or, or me I mean, room. here's what we might say. We just might say, I have no idea what's in that room. I just know that from my perspective, symbol goes in, symbol comes out. And now let's just yeah. stipulate what's inside the room is maybe it's a, a fancy machine. Maybe it's a person. It doesn't really matter. The point is that there's just this sort of rule list that says, if you get this symbol, give that one back. If you get this symbol, right. give that right. one back. So, and I can be completely ignorant as to whether the symbols have any meaning. And if they do have meanings, what they are. I just yeah. know from the inside of the room, okay, he pushed in this symbol. That means push out. And we, instead of a symbol, we can say something like string of letters. Of course, letters are symbols, but yeah. words are symbol. You know, we can say, yeah, yeah. Push, I mean, push, okay, I got these string of letters. I mean, we don't even need to have symbols or Weird things we could, it could be, you know, it could be, I don't know, some existing language it could be Vietnamese. I don't know Vietnamese. So if you could push in some Vietnamese letters and maybe I have this rule book that tells me, okay, if these Vietnamese letters come in, push these Vietnamese letters out and I'm doing that, which really raises, I think, the distinction from your perspective, I think the difference between thinking, you know, you interacting with an understanding entity, an entity that understands person, machine, whatever, versus you being deceived into thinking that you're talking to or interacting with an understanding entity. Yeah. And I mean, for some purposes, maybe I just don't care. Maybe I just want an answer to the question, where's the closest place for me to get a good cup of coffee? And I simply want an answer and I kind of don't care how I get it. But I think yeah. that when we get to higher stakes cases, again, like say loans or parole or virtual doctors. These questions start to start to look important again. And the idea that it might just be a mere, a mere symbol manipulator doesn't sit very easy with me. And again, I mean, you know, maybe in 50 years time, we'll all just say, why don't we ever care about that? Symbol manipulation is fine. But at the moment, it just sounds to me like that's doing something really importantly different than the, you know, the, the savvy parole grantor or the judge or the doctor. And I think until further notice, we've got to care about that stuff. And, and it's not a scale issue, right? I mean, it's not, I think that the, the, in the minds of engineers and data scientists, they're just like, let's get more data. We just need more. We just need to feed it more. It's going to get more and more accurate and we're going to get more and more intelligence. But I take it, the point that you're driving at is you don't have any intelligence to begin with. Increasing accuracy doesn't make more intelligent. It just makes more accurate. You don't get more understanding. You have zero understanding. And you're not, so there's nothing to scale here. So you're not getting any closer to something like artificial general intelligence or a machine that understands because all you're ever going to get, think, at least so far, is 
symbol, symbol manipulation, something along those lines. And it can be, you know, manipulation based on, you know, t statistical probabilities. And so it gets it pretty, gets pretty good at it. But nonetheless, we get no understanding. It's not a scale issue. It's, there's something different in kind about understanding than symbol manipulation. And then, then of course, I, I take it the next natural question is, all right, so is there something we need to add on? Is, it, is understanding language, uh, is it symbol manipulation plus this other thing? Is it something else altogether? What, what are we supposed to think about understanding? And, how, and then if we have a grip on what understanding actually is, if we have a grip on what understanding actually is, then we can actually take a look at the machines again and say, okay, does it have this other, you know, does it meet these other criteria for understanding? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably that that is the the next step is to start thinking, okay, well, if this isn't working as we, let's just suppose, let's agree, we want understanding. Understanding would be a good thing. And we say symbol manipulation, not enough. What what do we, I agree with you. It's not a scaling issue. It's not like we just are going to keep feeding, feeding in text or video or whatever. And all of a sudden, this is suddenly going to transform into an understanding thing. I, I don't think that's going to happen by magic. No amount of symbol pushing looks like the right kind of thing. We're just in the wrong arena. I mean, one way that some people have raised a kind of concern about something like, say, ChatGPT, they've said things like, it doesn't care about truth. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure exactly what the worry is there, but I think they're getting their, they're starting to put their finger on the right kind of thing. Let's think about whether you and I understand sentences and how we understand them and how we exhibit that we understand them. One kind of way that, that linguists have been attracted to dealing with language and semantics, where, where by semantics, I just mean the meanings, the, what sentences mean, whether they're true or false and, and what they stand for, is to ask something like, well, under what conditions would a sentence be true? So let's suppose that I tell you Michael Phelps runs. I just have no idea if that's true. I'm very confident he swims. I just don't know whether he runs. But I give you the sentence Michael Phelps runs, and I think you understand it. Now, what's going on when you understand it? Well, I mean, one thing I could do is I could give you loads of, of kind of like little models of the world and say, okay, here's a little, here's a little model of the world. And let me ask you, true or false in that little model, does, Mike, does Michael Phelps run? And you kind of get your telescope and you look in this little micro world and you look around for Michael Phelps and there he is. And, and it looks like he just doesn't do any running. And so you say, no, it's false. He doesn't run. Yeah. I get another scenario and I take a look and I say, is he running? There he is. He's running. Okay. Yeah. Michael Phelps runs. If I give you a bazillion of these things, you can sort of sort them into no's and yeses. In effect, you can say true, true in these scenarios, false in those scenarios. So one thing that we might do is just say, well, here's how we might think about modeling the meanings of sentences. Just the sets of these worlds in which the sentence is true or false. And here's what it is for you to understand something. It's just for you to have this ability to sort these things correctly into the true cases and into the false cases. And I think that we're getting some progress here because now you are going from string of symbols to how things are in a situation and saying, yeah, that, that checks out with the world. There's a match. Yes, Michael Phelps runs. No, Michael Phelps doesn't run. So I think in a, in a way, this is at least at the beginnings of a, a kind of bit of progress, something like truth conditions. Okay, so is this right? I don't know if I totally understand this. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is understanding what it is to understand something is to possess a certain kind of skill. It's to possess a skill of being able to being able to sort w the worlds in which some sentence is true from the sentence from the worlds in which that sentence is false. Or let's call them let's call them scenarios. I mean, I think, you know, I sure, just give scenario, you sure. I just give you loads of loads of cases. And I kind of say, is this a case where where Michael Phelps runs? Yes or no? 
And if you can get though, if you can systematically sort, you know, sort, it seems like somehow your comprehension of that sentence is, is being connected up with how things are in the, in, in these situations. That seems important. I mean, I might, I mean, I might say that it's my, my, my being able to sort the scenarios in which it's true that Phelps runs from the scenarios in which it's false that Phelps runs. I'm inclined to say that that presupposes that I understand what it means when someone says Michael Phelps runs. I don't know that it's I, but my I don't know that my understanding is identical to my being able to do that sorting though. It's yeah, good. I mean, I think I sort is presupposes I understand. I think I agree with this. So, so let's try to think about maybe what's what's going well here and what it tells us. It looks like in these cases we've gone a little bit more sophisticated than just pushing symbols around. We're somehow moving from taking a string of symbols and mapping them on to how things are, or and then saying yes or no. Now, how do I do that? And I think what you're suggesting, and I think I agree with this, is that's the very question we were trying to ask. What skill or what knowledge backs up that ability? And now I think we're starting to put our finger on the exact right sort of thing to investigate further. So what backs up that ability for me? Well, I'm not really sure. It seems like I have some grip on who Michael Phelps is, and I have some grip on what it is to run. And I can put those two things together and then say, yeah. ah, this is what scenarios are like where Michael Phelps runs. And so now we can ask a, a question back about ChatGPT. Does it do anything like that? That's one question. Second question, is that the only way to understand? Because here's, I think, a, a very interesting hypothesis. ChatGPT and its future generations will understand English. They just won't do it the way we do it. They'll do it in some other way. I don't know. I'm not quite sure how to, how to kind of unpack that idea, but let's just stick with this sort of idea of what's this, what's this underlying thing that I've got that allows me to give good verdicts to these questions. Yeah. Because well, so I think that the, I think ChatGPT could trick us again, right? We, we could kind of Chinese room this. I could say, maybe I could train the system up to give really good answers to, yes, that's a, a running Michael Phelps right. runs world. And no, that's right. not a bike, but it's not doing the, it's not doing it for the right reasons. Right. You could have some like, you know, Wiki, completely accurate Wikipedia, exhaustive Wikipedia or something like that. There's the mainframe that knows all the true things and knows all the false things. And so the mini AI, if you like, consults, hey, is this true or false? It says yes. And then it just starts sorting based on that. So it could do the sorting, but it's still, still symbol pushing, doesn't understand what it is to be true. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. So I don't think that this turning to truth conditions is yet the is yet an answer that we should be satisfied with. But I think it's now helped us reframe the question or at least given us some rails. We've got something like, okay, if that's the kind of thing that looks like it's one of the marks of someone who understands, what is the kind of mechanism that we think has to underwrite that for it to be genuine yeah. understanding as opposed to trickery, yeah. trickery or mimicry? So I mean, here's one answer, and I think it's not going to ultimately work, but it's worth trying out because it, it comes, I think, to mind pretty immediately for people. It's something like that feeling of understanding. It's something like what, what a philosopher might call the phenomenology of understanding that kind of aha or that feeling of grasping the answer. I mean, here's a way to kind of bring that out. Imagine I say to you, um, the horse ran past the barn fell. Good sentence or bad sentence? Good sentence or bad sentence? It ran past the barn what? The horse ran past the barn fell. No, that's all bonkers. Yeah, that's, that sounds bonkers. <laughs> now, but let's, let, me make it not, let me make it not bonkers. The horse that I ran past the barn fell. Which horse fell right. over? The one that I ran past the barn. Right. The okay. horse. So now let's try it again. I, I don't know that you can run a horse. 
but well, you you know you hold you 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 hold the rope and you run yes. alongside it. Yeah. Okay. That's and how you run a like horse. I was running the horse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the horse ran past the barn, fell. It's an awkward sentence, but I think that once you start sort of conceiving of the way this situation would unfold, here's me. I ran this horse past the barn, and now that horse fell over. The horse mm -hmm. ran past the barn, fell. It starts kind of feeling like it's got this like sense of understanding. So, so I'm supposed to have this sort of aha moment where a sentence that originally seemed kind of bonkers actually does make sense. Yeah. When I realize that it actually makes sense, I, I, I have a sensation or a feeling like, oh, I get it. And that is the core of understanding. I mean, maybe again, again, I think that what we're trying to do is sort of like work our way towards a better shaping of this question that we really don't have a good grip on, I don't think. And so it's something like what happens, mm. what happens when you move from not getting it to getting it? Can, yeah. can we make any progress on that question? I mean, let's try another sentence that I think is a little bit easier. Every 15 minutes, someone in New York gets mugged. Okay. Okay. So. Let me try it's ambiguous, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let me try another set in addition to that sentence that I think will give us like a second meaning. Every 15 minutes, someone in New York gets mugged. That poor guy is completely run ragged. Right. <laughs> I think that all of a sudden th this thing happens where I feel like I, I grasp the meaning of the sentence and then you give me this other cue and I get a different meaning. I, I grasp. Sure. Same, yeah. same sentence, different, different meaning. Again, I think that what this suggests is that we're, or, or maybe not suggests, what, what we take away from this is that we're starting to narrow in on that, that very thing that underlies that ability for us to sort sentences into true and false and to get, to get right answers. It seems like I think people may be attracted to this idea that it's something to do with these kind of aha moments. Now, I think that we're not yet we haven't made huge progress. I mean, you know, this is how progress goes. It's incremental. We, we make it in little, little bitty steps, but I mean, here are a couple of reasons for thinking that, that maybe this isn't the way to go. One, I don't have a clue with this aha moment consistent to the extent that it has something to do with consciousness with like a, a, what it's like episode Yeah, that opens up another entire can of worms. I mean, one question that we might ask is how do I know that you're, how do I know you're conscious? How do I know the machine is conscious? What is it to be conscious? Right. So we're, you know, we're replacing one question with a, a whole series of other questions. And I think that should make us uncomfortable. The core view is that understanding, or we get some light shed on the question of what constitutes understanding by appeal to this feeling of understanding. But two things. Number one, I would think that the feeling arises because you've understood, not that the feeling is the understanding. So sure, there might be some feeling. But that presupposes understanding, which we're trying to get a grip on. So just because you told me that it's that understanding is often followed by this sensation or this feeling, that is, it still doesn't tell me what understanding is. You know, right. So that's that. That's one point. The other point is just that I understand all sorts of things every day that I don't feel anything. It's not like I go around and I understand that the light has turned red and I feel a little sensation of, ooh, I understand the light's turned redder. You know, I, there, you might find some aha moments where I, I, there's some phenomenology that follows my understanding, but those are the rare cases. Yeah. I mean, I'm very sympathetic to that reaction. I guess the thought is something like this. What is it that differentiates what I'm doing from what the Chinese room is doing? Or what differentiates what I'm doing from what chat GPT is doing? And I think we can give certain kind of technical answers about, you know, chat GPT is using a probability algorithm to, to put out the next word and I'm not doing that. 
But we still want to know, well, what is it that I'm doing? What is it that you're doing that constitutes genuine understanding? And I at least think that it's tempting to try out something like, well, it's this grasping the meaning thing that I do when you give me the sentence like the horse ran past the barn fell and all of a sudden it clicks. Or you give me the sentence like someone in New York gets mugged every 15 minutes and I can get the other reading and it clicks. That, that click seems like, I think, at least a thing to want to glom onto. Now, I think you're exactly right that we're barking up the wrong tree. It looks like one thing we might say, as you did, is that is an after effect. I have the understanding, and because of the understanding, I undergo that experience. But I do think that some people have been tempted by the idea that there is something like the phenomenology of grasping or getting or understanding, and that that's progress. Now, again, just to put my cards on the table, I don't think this is the right way to go. But I think it's worth thinking through the ways in which questions about understanding might be tied up with questions about consciousness. I think we should let a thousand flowers bloom in this area. It's early days, and I think that's worth investigating. But I think that we open more questions than we answer by going down that path. So let me, there's, there's, there's sort of two roads I want to go down. One is to, is to pull apart intelligence from consciousness, from sentience. And I, I want to hear a little bit about that. But before, before we do that, maybe we'll close out with that. I mean, I, for me, the takeaway so far is something like, look, we have good reason for thinking that ChatGPT or or anything of its ilk doesn't understand for Chinese room argument kinds of reasons. What we have is symbol manipulation, even if it manipulates them in ways that result in accurate outputs, or we can interpret the outputs such that we see that they're true or they're false. We don't have any understanding, and it's not a scale issue. But then the question, what would, what would it need in order to actually have understanding in order to answer that question, we'd first have to be able to answer, what is it for we people, we humans to understand? And there's just no clear answer to that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which means exactly at a minimum, right. it would just be sort of insanely premature to pronounce that we've got some artificial general intelligence or even that we're getting closer to it because the nature of understanding is itself opaque to us. We know, we seem to know that we understand, but we don't understand what understanding exactly consists in. So. It, it recommends a kind of conservatism to attributing intelligence to something. You might think we've got lots of different kinds of experiences with people. I mean, there's this other problem. How do we know whether people understand? Do we know that people understand or the problem of other minds? And so I guess we're, insofar as that's not a settled issue, you're not going to get a settled issue with artificial general intelligence. But then I take it the concern is, you know, I'm just sort of picturing someone who's like, oh, this is all, you know, look, you don't even know what, you know, you philosophers don't even know what it is for a human to understand. So why not just say that the AI understands just as well? I mean, you know, I think that you understand things because you talk in certain ways and you respond to me in certain ways and you act in certain ways. And so if a machine does the same thing, why don't we just say, yeah, it understands too. I don't know what its understanding is any more than I understand what understanding is, but, you know. Why, why withhold the attribution of intelligence to a machine, but grant it to people? I mean, I don't think that we should say that we don't have any, anything to go on, on what understanding is. I think you're right to say something like, we don't understand what understanding is. That's exactly right. But it's not that we haven't made any headway whatsoever. Take the sort of thing that, that linguists might suggest that I was talking about earlier. It might be something like, 
part of understanding is something like knowledge of truth conditions. Now, I don't think that that's yet hugely informative, but there's been plenty of kind of work done in that area and progress. And then so there are people- truth conditions, that means something like the scenarios under which the sentence is true. Yeah, I mean, we could think of it as something like, maybe I know a rule that allows me to sort the, the cases into yes. Something like knowledge of a rule or ability to utilize a rule that allows me to say, yes, that's a case where Michael runs. No, that's not a case where Michael runs. It's something like knowing it, when you give me a series of symbols, I know how things would have to be for that to get things right. I think that there's something attractive in that thought. And plenty of people have had lots to say about linguistic understanding. But I do think that you're right to suggest something like a kind of conservatism. The idea that we just can say once and for all, here's what it is for a person to understand a language. Here's what the Chinese room is missing and here's what you've got. We're really not terribly close to an answer to that question, in my opinion. And I don't think that this is something like, that the right way to look at this is something like, oh, you philosophers don't even understand what understanding is. It's, I don't think anybody fully understands what understanding is. This is a, a vexed question that we should keep working at. And I think one of the really exciting things about the emergence of something like ChatGPT is that it gives us a different sort of arena to start asking that question, one where we actually can get into the inner workings of the system. We can, we can break these things down. I can't, I can't ethically get into your skull and figure out what's going on in your brain. And even if I could, I don't think that would give me the answers anyway. We've got this sort of new arena where we could still ask these questions like, how is this thing working? And could this constitute understanding? Have we perhaps had too narrow of a notion of understanding? Is this perhaps a different way of coming to understanding? But I think right now it's, uh, as I said before, it's early days. I just don't think that we have a good enough grip on what it is that we're doing that differentiates us from the Chinese room that allows us to then say, aha, ChatGPT does understand or no, ChatGPT doesn't understand. We're just not there yet. Not only are we not there yet, we, we don't even know what there looks like. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that we've even got the question settled yet. And this is something that I think we've just been sort of struggling through together. You start with something like the Chinese room and you see, yeah, something's missing. And you say, okay, how about something like truth conditions? And you think, well, that would be really easy to mimic. It kind of is on the right track, but I don't know if I quite get it. Okay, let me look under the hood a little bit in my own case. What goes on when I understand a sentence? Well, sometimes it's these kind of aha moments, but on reflection, that doesn't really seem to be going on in every case. And not sure that that answers my question anyway. I mean, I really do think that this idea of truth conditions was getting us more in the right direction. And I think that what was getting, what that was getting right was some kind of connection between the world and the symbols. And I think again, with the China, going back to the Chinese room, that's mm -hmm. exactly what's missing. I'm, I'm out here in the world in, in engaging with the environment. And then I write something down on a piece of paper that presumably has some reflection in, in either how things are with me or how things are with the world. I send that in, some symbols are pushed around and spit back out. And then I come to some conclusion again about how things are in the world around me. I think what we really want is a kind of anchoring between our symbols and, and the world. When I say Michael swims or Michael runs, let's stick with Michael runs. Somehow I bring him to mind. I, I've got Michael in mind and this activity of running in mind. And now I'm in a position to ask, is the world that way? Is the world the way this sentence represents the world as being? So I think that this yeah. notion of representation is really important. What we want are symbols that are not merely symbols, but which represent situations in the world and tell us about the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's actually really inter interesting. And, and it does 
there's sort of two thoughts I take it that you're that you're bringing together to help us try to understand what understanding is. One is that part of what constitutes understanding a symbol is not just the ability to appropriately manipulate it with other symbols according to certain rules, let's say, but it's I, I'm going to use the word understanding, which I know I'm not allowed to do, but it doesn't like understanding how that symbol refers to the world, or maybe it's understanding. It's bring, as you said, it's bringing to mind. Uh, this is a this is a tough metaphor to break down, but it's something like bringing to mind the thing to which it refers. So it brings to mind Phelps. The word running it brings to mind, you know, pictures or images or you know an internal video, as it were, of people running or something along those lines. So you've got something like there's a connection between the symbols and the things to which they refer. Manipulating symbols doesn't do that. There's something above and beyond that. You've called it representation, that you understand what the symbols represent. And then there's a matter of sort of concatenating, just combining individual pieces. Like I understand running, I understand Phelps, and then I can squeeze them together as it were in the right kind of way. So I understand we're talking about Phelps performing the action of running. And so it sounds like those do seem like necessary conditions. I'm not sure if they're conditions or constituents of understanding, but it's clearly things that the computers don't do, the machines don't do. The machines don't link whatever that amounts to. They don't link the symbols to the things to which the symbols are referring. And without that, without that semantics instead of just a syntax, they, they're not going to get understanding. Yeah, that's, I think that's, I, I think this is on the right track. I think this is the kind of answer that we want to give when talking about what's missing in the Chinese room. And in fact, what's missing with the doctor that just makes a guess? I could have, the, the guessing, for the guessing doctor, I could have made any noises whatsoever. And the doctor could have opened to any old page whatsoever. And the doctor got it right, but it was pure luck. What I really want is for the doctor to attend to how things are with my ankle. On the mm -hmm. basis of how things are with my ankle, to use that information to look up an answer about ankles and then to give me back some kind of answer about how to do something interesting with ankles. And so I want, I want all of this process to somehow be anchored to the stuff I care about or the stuff I'm talking about. And I think that what we see with the Chinese room and with ChatGPT is that there just isn't, when people say ChatGPT doesn't care about the truth, I think a better way to put that is something like, the symbols are just are not anchored to the world. They're simply being pushed around, as you, as you rightly put it, in, in terms of their syntax. Now, I think that one kind of pitfall here is that it may be that some symbols have meanings. That's great, but the machine is in no way sensitive to that fact. So I think what we need is sort of two pieces here. We need the symbols to be representations, to be anchored in reality, to, to be about things. But we also need the machine or us or our brain or, or whatever to manipulate those symbols because of what they mean. It, it can't, again, we don't want to let in this kind of doctor just yeah. looking up and pointing any old place. I want him yeah. to tell me to take the pills because they're relevant to something to do with arthritis. And so yeah. similarly, I think when I say to chat GPT, where should I get some coffee? I'm not getting any understanding because all it's doing is giving me the next most likely in some sense and most likely some good yeah. choice of a yeah. word. But what I really want is for an, at least, I mean, again, maybe I don't care for just figuring out where to get coffee, but if I want, if I want to start engaging with these things as understanders, I'm going to want something that is sensitive to what coffee is and talking about coffee and which thing is it that I care about and making sure that it's just not putting me up, putting me onto the wrong stuff for the right reasons. That's something like representing 
and manipulating the symbols because of what they represent. Yeah, that sounds like to me the core of it, or at least a core or something. If, the, if you could have a core, can you have a core? Manipulating the symbols because or by virtue of what those symbols mean. And if you can't get the meaning, then you don't have understanding. I think that's right. And I think that we can, the nice thing about this is it doesn't, it doesn't obviously demand of us that we say anything about consciousness or experience. I think that's a virtue that we don't bring in more hard questions than we need. It seems like it gives us an interesting connection to that idea of truth. What is the relationship between sentences in the world? Well, sentences can be true or false. How do they do that? Well, they have parts which represent reality. This part represents Michael. This part represents running. When they're put together in the right way, the whole thing represents that Michael runs. So I think this idea of representation and manipulating symbols because of what they represent is we're, we're getting, I think we're getting onto the right sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds great. And it's definitely not what the machines are doing today. And no amount of scaling and the quantity of data is going gonna, is gonna to get them that. It doesn't look like it. Now, it's a really hard question exactly what those connections are between symbol and world that constitutes a representation. I, I think in some ways, this is one of the fundamental questions in cognitive science and the philosophy of mind. What does it take for one thing to represent another? That's one big question. A second big question is how on earth could we manipulate things because of what they represent? Yeah, right. We, we're not done with questions. We've got more questions, but it does, it does seem like at least a bit of progress to say, you need to manipulate the symbols in light of the meanings of those symbols. I mean, just to, just to sort of highlight why that's a problem. There's a nice example from Fred Dretzky who, who's, who says, think about an opera singer singing an aria at the highest pitch and it shatters the glass. The sound shatters the glass, but the words meant love, let's say. Did the meaning do anything to help shatter the glass? You might think, no, it's not the right kind of thing to help shatter a glass. Meanings are... Sure. I don't know, they're abstract or something. So now I've got some symbols which have meanings and I want a machine to manipulate those symbols because of what they mean. But meanings aren't the sorts of things that seem to enter into causal relations. That kind of looks like the mind-body problem is back. I mean, if yeah. we're, you know, we're yeah. kind of right back at Descartes again, unfortunately. And yet I think that's got to be on the right track. That answer has got to be in the, on the right track. All right. Great. So now we've ended with dualism. Yeah, we're, we, it always comes back to dualism. I mean, I think one thing that's really striking about a lot of these philosophical questions about AI and GPT and the ethics of AI is that as much as this is a great arena for generating excitement, it's kind of a, a lot of new instances of familiar problems. Yep. Now, I think that's progress. I think in a way that's progress. I think seeing that a new question is actually just an, a kind of fun version of an old question. That is a kind of progress, but it's also a little bit frustrating that some of these things aren't being married up as quickly as I think they could be. I, I think that some of these old problems in philosophy are, are things people have been thinking about for ages. And, and I hope that there continues to be good interaction between the people in tech and the people in philosophy, because like you said, I mean, right now it looks like we don't have a good grip on understanding what understanding is. So how are we going to even determine whether these things understand? I don't have an answer to that, but at least philosophers have been asking that question for a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, it's clear that the questions are, the questions that we're asking about AI predate any conversation or talk or, or thought about AI. All right, well, thank you, Alex, so much. That was super fascinating. I hope we haven't boiled the brains of the audience. You'll have to come back. Maybe we'll have you 
come back with like a cognitive scientist or something and figure out if we can make some progress. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I don't think that any amount of staring at the brain is going to help us, but they're going to tell us otherwise. And we, we could have a, we could have a good fight on the air. Yeah, that sounds fun. All right. Thanks, Alex. Okay. Thank you.